first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Hey there, everybody. My name is Mason West, and this is Bare Bones Thanksgiving Edition. So today's going to be a little different. Uh, we're not doing the Thursday episode. Maybe you're listening to this on Thursday as you're cooking your turkey or whatever is going on or right before you enjoy some of the games that are going to be happening. But we decided that we weren't going to do a show on Thursday, let everyone spend time with their families. However, the Bears, of course, had something a little different planned. And so we're doing, I am doing a little special one right now, just popping in, giving a little context to what was going on with Justin Fields. There's a lot of confusion going on in terms of what happened during the game, what these last couple days have looked like, and potentially what's going to happen going forward regarding a shoulder. So, see, so I have a little short one here for you uh, just for the holiday. And so first we're going to start quick reaction to that Falcons game. Uh, overall, disappointing game, but for me it hit a little different than the Lions game. Now, if you listen last week, you know I talked with Will, had him as a guest. Thanks again to Will DeWitt for popping on. You should be following him if you are not. Uh, that's at Will DeWitt. The L's are ones. It's a whole thing. But, uh, you know, and I one of the things that we talked about was how that Lions game was disappointing in terms of how it ended. This one was disappointing in terms of how just basically the offense looked from beginning to end. Now, I got to give the Falcons credit because they played the Bears run game and play action very, very well. You know, Justin still had his yards on the ground, but, you know, they didn't let him take over the game in that first half and he had to really work for all of those yards and you saw it take a toll later in the game as we'll get to now you know the bears also didn't adjust very well once they saw how the falcons were playing the run game how they planned to contain justin a bit you know they didn't take advantage in the passing game it was one of the more rough passing games that have happened as of late and we see how important the run game is to the passing game in, in terms of the defense honoring what Justin can do with his legs now, you know, he did have in that fourth quarter a couple of really good throws at the beginning um, on that last touchdown drive in order to, to tie it up. Um, but that was where few and far between. And again, it wasn't consistent throughout. Uh, there were not a lot of opportunities. Uh, I, I think that the wide receiver separation leaves something to be desired. And the offensive line, you know, you missed Tevin Jenkins out there. You really did. Uh, we'll talk, talk about him in a second, too. But, you know, Schofield didn't have the best game either. You know, there were times where Sam Mustafer, he's been a bit of a scapegoat as of late, but there were still some times that he just missed some assignments, didn't seem like he knew what he was doing, and Justin was running for his life. This Falcons pass rush, this pass defense, is not very good. You know, they they have not been able to press the quarterback all year, and they haven't defended the pass all year, yet the Bears were not able to get anything going in the air. So, you know, when your team isn't good, you also can't give up special teams plays, like that Patterson kick return. Um, technically the defense did well enough in order for the bears to win. Right. I mean, the bears offense outscored the Falcons offense. It's just that that kick return sealed their fate. Uh, it's, it's tough, you know, but it's one of those things you might be able to say tank loss, move on. But, you know, obviously then what happened with Justin leaves it a bad taste in your mouth. 
Now, a couple, one other thing that I wanted to talk about that I had some people asking me about is what was going on with Tevin Jenkins. Um, how can you be available but not playing? Now, that's that, that's a big difference, right? It's like if you get sent back to work part time and he, the, your doc says, well, give this note to your boss and they have to let you take extra breaks and things of that nature. Like you can adjust how hard, how much you're doing at work. You can't do that on the football field, right? You can't go halfway because now all of a sudden that's how you let up a big play. Someone gets hurt, something of that nature. So Tevin was there in case of emergency. You know, the hope was that none of the guards, Cody White here, uh, Schofield, needed to come out of the game, get hurt. But if he needed to, you know, if he needed to pop in because maybe Schofield got hurt and take over the fourth quarter, he could do that. Uh, if he had to come in for a couple plays, a little series, he could do that, but not take the toll of a full game. So keep looking for Tevin to come back soon. I don't, it's not going to be an all year thing where we're playing this game. Uh, but, you know, that was why he was available on the sideline, but wasn't actually starting. So first thing with Justin, we got to talk about is the hamstring. Uh, you could tell the hamstring was a problem. Now he didn't have a strain. It wasn't, you know, no tear or anything like that, but he was cramping. Uh, there's a couple of different things that go into that. Sometimes it's going to be something as simple as where you're playing. You know, you're playing inside in Atlanta, you know, maybe there's a little bit of, of dehydration going on. Uh, the, the temperature change is going to be a little different for you. So that's always going to factor in, which does make it interesting that the Bears opted to practice outside as much as they did this week. You know, go inside, get used to the elements, make sure you got your your bodies ready for you know, being an, in an indoor facility that's temperature controlled. and It's going to be a little warmer than what you've been playing as of late. Uh, and a big, another big part of it, Justin said it last week, he has heavy legs. Um, he's had to adjust. In terms of some of the training, uh, whether it's, you know, we talked with Dr. Michael Risher in terms of what his training has looked like. So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. That was a really good one that we did a couple weeks ago. But, you know, one of the things that they always emphasize with hitting top speed in practice every single week a couple times. That's gotten pulled back a bit. It, it's had to because of how much he's running in games. Now, you know, when, when you take that into consideration, that's going to be, that's going to be really important just because he he went ahead and had what I believe it was 20 carries 18 to 20 carries this game. That is a lot, especially that many weeks in a row. I mean, that's, that's a running back workload. And when you're having to literally touch the ball, every, every single play, you know, because when you're running back, maybe in even a very prolific offense, you're going to run 50% of the time as the end result of that play, maybe. But even then, you know, you get breaks. You're going to rotate with another running back. You're going to have a pass play where no, you're not sprinting downfield at full speed. You're going to be have a run play where yes, you're running hard, but it only generates three yards. It's boom, boom, boom. Justin doesn't have that luxury, right? Justin is receiving the snap, having to navigate the pocket, and those little steps navigating the pocket are huge. And that's not even taking into consideration some of the bigger ones, like the design runs, and then when he has to navigate the pocket in an un planned play. Uh, there is that one pass to Equinemia St. Brown that comes to mind on that final touchdown drive that they were able to put in. Uh, Next Gen Stats had him had having run 30-something yards. That's a lot. A lot of wear and tear. And so now when you have that, you have cramping. Uh, really what's happening in that cramp, it's not, again, it's not a strain or anything like that, but the, the muscles screaming for some help. It's basically saying what you're asking me to do right now, I'm not fully prepared to do. Uh, what, and give me, give me a little help, whether it's taking a break, resting, uh, you saw he was getting stretched on the side, you know, he was getting as much of liquids as he could. Now, the reason that's important is a, because 
over time, there's has to be an adjustment in terms of what's going on with his workload. It's far, far too much. They went from having no quarterback design runs, you know, I think like one or two at best a game to having as many as 12 to 14 a game. That's too many. Uh, but that's going to affect other things. So now look at the play where Justin injured his shoulder. You can see that as he's going to the left on, on that play, the first play of, of that drive, he's not at full speed. He's he's The running mechanics are off. His gait is not what he wants it to be. Normally, he'd be able to get that corner around the corner, run out of bounds, and never not really fully get touched. In this instance, right, he took full brunt of the contact, landing directly on that shoulder. And now that's going to bring us to what is really happening in terms of Justin's shoulder. So I'm going to bring in this picture here. Um, you're going to see that a little, little background here. So shoulder girdle really made of four joints here. You got your sternoclavicular joint, which is going to be where that chest bone, the sternum, and the clavicle come. Uh, you're going to have your acromioclavicular joint, excuse me, your AC joints. Uh, that's going to be one that we're going to discuss heavily here. Um, that's where the clavicle and the acromion, it's the little nod, front nodule of the scapula as it comes forward. Your glenohumeral joint, that's what people mainly think of as your shoulder joint. And lastly, your scapulothoracic joint. That's actually on the backside. Um, and that's going to be where the scapula comes in contact with the ribcage. So all four of those are very important. On first viewing of the replay, I thought it was an AC joint sprain. Uh, there's a few reasons for that. One, he lands directly on the left shoulder on the front side of that. That's more or less your traditional mechanism of injury when it comes to an AC joint sprain. Right after the play, you see him walking and he's reaching underneath his shoulder pad and he's rubbing. And that's really a common thing you'll see when it's going to be an AC joint issue versus something like a glomerohumeral or a dislocation. And also his arm was freely swinging during that gait pattern as you walk back to the huddle. You can see that, you know, again, he's rubbing, but that left arm is swinging back and forth. If it was a subluxation or dislocation, normally the arm is going to kind of dangle on you. You're not going to want to swing that arm, so you're going to hold it close to your side. Uh, just to try to protect it a little bit, or you're going to do that arm dangle kind of walk. And that's because, again, if it's dislocated, it is out of the socket. So with for all those, and then for all those reasons, that's really why I thought it was an AC joint sprain. And then being able to continue to, if it was a dislocation, finishing the game, how he was able to, even in the immense amount of pain he was, would be much, much more difficult. Um, and, and also... On the way back, when you look at that video that was posted of him writing to the x-ray, you could see that there's a little bit of a bump at the top of the shoulder. Now, that would happen when that clavicle comes away from that acromion and lifts upwards. And that's where that really that AC joint sprain or potentially shoulder separation, which we also we're going to talk about. If it was dislocation, it, again, it would just look very different. Now, we didn't see that there was a need for a reduction and reduction is if like you, again, if you had a dislocation, you having to actually get back in the socket. Uh, but that's now where we have to kind of have this conversation of what's one versus the other. So you can see in this picture that I pulled up here uh, that we have a dislocation on one side and we have a separation on the other. Uh, and, and if you're listening to this in podcast form, I implore you to go back, check out the video. I'm going to try to describe this in words the best I can. But um, on one side, basically you can see that there's this white, part right here on the scapula, basically near the rib cage. That's going to be your glenoid. Basically, that's where the humerus, the, the arm bone sits. In a dislocation, it comes away from that. You're going to have tearing or stretching of all these ligaments that sit around here. In an AC or shoulder separation, as you can see in this other picture where the circle is, that clavicle lifts up and away 
from that little nodule of that shoulder blade, the acromion. And really that glono, the humerus is, is not part of it whatsoever. Big, big difference. So uh, another thing you want to think about is, well, what is a subluxation? So a subluxation is going to be when the shoulder, that humerus comes away slightly from the glenoid, from that little, the little cup of the shoulder, but it doesn't come all the way out. Now in this one, it basically it comes out a little bit and pops right back in. Not as much to worry about long-term. Yes, there's some integrity issues, some stability issues, but there isn't as much tearing of any of the ligaments or the tendons that are trying to help that area. So you don't have to worry about it quite as much. Now, if you're going to talk about a shoulder, again, dislocation, a couple different types, anterior, when it moves forward, completely away from that fossa, uh, and or a glenoid, or posterior, when it's moving backwards. So it just, it really does have to come all the way out of the glenoid too for it to be considered dislocation, and it doesn't return back in right away. Um, often you'll also see some bone damage with a dislocation as that humerus, that uh, shoulder bone, hits the glenoid. So now all of a sudden you got to wait for the shoulder, that bone to heal there. So again, the capsule ligaments or labrum can be stretched, torn, or detached from the bone during a shoulder subluxation or dislocation. When the head is back in place, these structures can heal in a loose or stretched position, and that can increase the risk of future episodes of a dislocation. With each additional episode, further tissue damage can occur, increasing the tendency towards future instability. Now, if you have a labral tear, that when that happens, shoulder instability can occur when the labrum is torn or is peeled off of the glenoid. And that can occur after shoulder has dislocated shoulder trauma or as a result of repetitive motion, like if you're throwing a baseball over and over. The shoulder joint is held with suction power. So that, that humerus is held in that glenoid, in that fossa with this little vacuum. So the glenoid labrum, uh, it's a far fibrous cartilage-like material and joint fluid work together to create a suction cup holding effect. And that effect is on the humerus head, pulling it in. The glenoid labrum essentially deepens the socket by acting, like a, by acting around that shallow cavity. So the joint fluid, through this kind of adhesive, cohesive relationship, holds the joint together, even under a lot of stress. So this is like if you wet a suction cup and stuck it to a wall. So the, the, that's really important because that's very different than the hip or the knee. Right. The hip or the knee, it's a very, very deep little setting that the, the bone sits in, but it's a trade-off. You know, the deeper that it is, yes, you get a lot of stability uh, just because it's sitting deep, deeper in there. However, you don't get as much mobility. And so you really need that labrum to create that vacuum because as soon as you get it compromised, if you get a tear of any of the ligaments in the shoulder, now you don't have that vacuum anymore. And so that's really why people get those repetitive dislocations. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So now what are we looking at in terms of a separation? And I believe, and also by from what I've seen in the video and also what some of the reports have been and trying to piece things together, that Justin has a shoulder dislocation. And I can't make that any more, uh, like, I can't state that anymore 
I do not know what Justin has, right? You know, I, I'm not the, the only people that know are Justin, the Bears, the Bears staff who are looking at his MRI and looking at his x-rays. What we can do the best we can is to analyze what we're seeing here by the video, by his movement patterns during and then after the game, and then using what we have as common knowledge in terms of how these injuries occur. So again, a separated shoulder is different than a dislocation, being that it involves the acromioclavicular joint and not the glenohumeral joint. So you have a couple different, you can see in this picture here, and again, if you're not able to see this, I would implore you to check it out. Top left, we have a normal one. Everything looks hunky to worry, fantastic. This grade one, you can see this little line forming in the ligament between the clavicle and the acromion, acromion excuse me. And then that starts to get worse to a grade two and then a grade three. And in a grade three, you can start to see that some of these other ligaments get involved too, some more damage. Therefore, you're going to end up ultimately needing more rest. So again, why do I think it is the AC joint and not dislocation? By the way he fell, the way he held his shoulder, he was pretty much free swinging and rubbing near the clavicle. Uh, again, that video showing uh, as he was being carted away that there was that little elevation of the clavicle and normally in a dislocation, the arm would dangle. And again, ultimately, this still is happening at the AC joint. So whether it's an AC sprain or you're talking about separated shoulder, the terms start to get a little bit synonymous, but really you're talking, worrying about what the grades are. Because the injury is a disruption in the suspensory mechanism that keeps the arm suspended from the clavicle and close to the chest, it can be very disabling. The shoulder separation occurs along a spectrum of progressive injuries, ranging from a sprain or a partial tear of the ligaments, making up at least making it up the least severe to a complete tear of all the major ligaments that support the joint, resulting in more severe injury or separation. So there's a different multiple different ways that you could potentially treat this. You can usually treat it conservatively. You're going to let the ligaments in the labrum heal itself. You're going to those the ligaments in the labrum are passive stability. Uh, you're going to try to act try to really increase your active stability. So that's all the muscles around the shoulder. So your deltoid, your pectoralis, a lot of your rotator cuff muscles, your teres minor major, your inferent supraspinatus. And you're really going to try to get those to do a lot more work to allow for those passive structures to heal longer. So in a dislocation, right? I mean, if it's bad enough, you're looking at surgery. Um, that's kind of like, you know, a Jalen Johnson where he got that one, uh, special surgery in order to create that little bony block, uh, almost like a, a door wedge in order to help that, prevent that from dislocating. Um, Anthony Miller was another individual that went through a lot of those things. Uh, even Mr. Bisky, right? He had shoulder instability issues and he had to wear a harness after afterwards just to make sure that the shoulder didn't dislocate. And I cannot emphasize this enough. This is not what he, what Justin Fields has. Justin Fields does not have from what I'm seeing and from what I'm under, from what I'm understanding, a dislocation. So he's not going to fall into that Mitch realm. He's not going to fall into that Anthony Miller realm. For a separation, more often than that, you also go very conservative. You're just going to rehab and you're potentially very, very bad ones like that grade three, grade four. You might do surgery in the postseason, but that's, that's more of a cleanup, go in arthroscopically kind of thing not as robust of a surgery. And if you do go the surgical route, the chances of instability is pretty low, like 3% to 5%. If in fact, this is a low grade separation, Justin can absolutely play sooner rather than later. He could play as soon as next week. Operative word being could. I'm not sitting here saying that he should or that I would expect that. It's his non-throwing shoulder and he could take a game day injection to play. 
if this was a dislocation, again, he'd have to wear a harness and running, taking hits would be a bit scary. But with the fact that it is going to, I believe, a separation, you can take that injection, which is basically going to numb it out entirely, and you're really not going to have much pain during the game. Uh, he can run as much as he would really like to or feel comfortable with, because a lot of those hits, the impact, you wouldn't be as worried about. Now, keep in mind, it still potentially could be worse during the game. I mean, right? How did he hurt in the first place? Being tackled out of bounds. So that could happen again. And yes, that could ultimately result in some more damage to the area. However, that's not something that I would be super, super worried about. Really, in all reality, the soonest I would expect him back would be the Packers game. And that's if Justin, the Bears training staff, uh, the Bears front office, the coaches, everyone involved felt good about where he was at, about his safety, that this is not going to impact him long term. Now, again, if it were me, I would say, hey, Justin, let's wait until after the bye week. You're not playing for a playoff spot. I do think it's important for Justin to continue to get some reps and grow. I mean, even if it is with this offensive line and with the weapons he currently has, seeing more defenses, throwing the ball more, that's all going to add up because the only way you really get better is honestly to go out and do it. You know, doing it on air, doing it against your own team in training camp, doing the visualization stuff, it only goes so far. So ultimately, if he could get out there after that bye week, be more or less healed up, because this isn't going to be fully healed this this year. It's not. It's a five to six week injury before you get fully healed. And if he is playing, you know, you're causing little derangements there. But he could be in a place where he's feeling pretty good, I would say, after that bye week. And then he could finish out the rest of the year, get some more reps, get some more practice, and go into next year, hopefully behind a more solid offensive line, and hopefully – uh, with a better group of wide receivers that can give him some more options. Because as of right now, that's a that's a problem. So yeah, I would personally rule him out of the Jets game. Packers game is a hefty maybe. Most likely returns after the bye week against the Eagles. Now, in terms of that Jets game, not going to do a heavy preview for that one. It's just not, there's a lot to going on here with the holiday, uh, focusing on just getting Justin, Justin, like, oh, that's the biggest focus here. So just going to do a little quick preview of that game and then move on. Uh, Jets are not in a great place. It's interesting. Uh, the Jets are winning, but it's, it's kind of in spite of their quarterback, right? Uh, one of the big news aspects going around right now is the conversation of how different Zach Wilson and, and Justin Fields are handling being, being blame put on them, I guess you could say. Right. Uh, Zach Wilson was interviewed and asked you know, this more or less, well, you know, how do you owe your defense an apology? And he was like, no, I, I, I don't. And that didn't go over well. You know, the defense, some of the defense guys in the locker room apparently took took issue to that. The New York media ran with that. And right now, Zach Wilson is, is, in, is in the hot seat. Uh, you heard that even when Salah, the Jets head coach, was not committed to, you know, having him be their starter. Now you flip that. And the reports are that Justin went into the locker room afterwards and apologized to the defense and, you know, put that on him to saying, hey, like you guys, you, you put us in a position with this game and I let you down. And the, a lot of the players in the locker room responded to that, again, by according to these reports. And essentially were like, no, Justin, don't don't worry about it. Now, that couldn't be any different in terms of responses in, from the quarterbacks and then how the team is receiving that. Uh, that's one of the reasons that, I'm very confident in who Justin ultimately is going to be as quarterback. He's got the raw skills. He's got the leadership qualities. It's just about continuing to, to learn, to move forward and to 
surround him with the right talent. Uh, now this Jets defense is is tough. It's scary. They're the reason, one of the reasons why the Jets have the record they do. Um, they made Mac Jones look and feel silly. Yes, last week in that Patriots Jets game, and that's also one of the reasons I'd be very hesitant to consider Justin playing next week against the Jets. Uh, that's just more hits than than he needs to deal with right now. Um, you know, they're the Jets are missing Brees Hall. He's out for the year with the ACL. They still have a pretty good back in Mike and Michael Carter. Uh, they have some interesting weapons around. Garrett Wilson is a is a pretty solid rookie receiver. It's it's going to be an ugly game. I mean, honestly, it's going to be I think a Trevor Simeon and then some combination of Joe Flacco or Mike White. Kind of depends on where the. I, I don't think Zach Wilson should play. I, I don't know. I mean, we all have to wait and see what they do there. But you know, what are the Jets thinking? I mean, they're not going to just give up on their second overall pick. That's a lot of draft capital. Uh, unless you're hoping you can trade him for something else. But I don't So do you really roll out with Joe Flacco, who was playing really well and probably gives you a better chance to win? Do you roll with Mike White, who's the younger person? And he had some moments last year with Zach Wilson out. Uh, it's it's going to be rough. Um, but if Justin's not playing, uh, I'm taking the Jets points and running with it if you're going betting-wise. Um, overall, it's, it's going to be a really tough game, whether Justin plays or not, moving the ball against his defense. With Trevor Simeon at quarterback, I mean, you're going to probably see a, some better timing throws. There might be, you know, some slants. There might be some of those three to five step drops that look good initially, but there's going to be a lot of three and outs. I just can't imagine it going great. But so, yeah, if, if I was picking, I'm picking the Jets in this one. Um, that's all I got for you. Nothing, like I said, not too crazy. Just wanted to give you some general information regarding Justin in the shoulder. Uh, if there's ever any questions, always feel free to reach out on Twitter. I'm always willing to look. Uh, the answer to those at West Sports PT. Uh, hopefully, you're able to learn a little something about the shoulder and and what Justin's dealing with. But you know, have have a great holiday. Um, one thing I guess I'd leave you with something I'm thankful for in this Thanksgiving season. I am thankful for Justin Fields, and and as a branch of that, I'm thankful for all of the things that led to him being here. You know, uh, as much flack as we give Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace, uh, all the decisions, whether they were good or bad, uh, ultimately led Justin to be a part of this team. Um, the last couple of weeks have been something I've been very thankful for. It's hard covering and talking about and being a fan of, and I'm sure as I'm sure everyone listening to this can attest to, a a bad team with no future and and no excitement. And Justin has provided that these last couple of weeks. Right. I mean, even if it hasn't been necessarily quintessential, what you think want your quarterback to be doing, it's been fun, you know, and I do hope that when he does come back from this injury, the, the bears can, the bears have proven like, yes, can we just run Justin to death 12 to 20 times a game and be close in games? Yeah. They've proven that, but I want them to do is say, okay, we know we can do that. What else? Are there other things we can do other types of plays or, you know, other packages we can put together that we can really use to help Justin succeed. So anyway, again, hopefully all you have a great holiday holiday. Uh, hopefully you enjoy all the games that are on. I'm personally, I think most excited for that, that bills lions game, just because NFC representation. And it's going to be really interesting to see what the heck the, 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 the bills are doing right now, because they seem to be falling apart. That'd be, that'd be another crazy game. And also interested in the Cowboys game. Cause I'm playing Tony Pollard in fantasy. And, and hope he, him and Dak do terrible because I'm playing both of them. So have a great evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. You know, hopefully you get to spend some great time with your family. 
play some football, watch some football, all that great stuff. Bear down and have a lovely evening, Chicago.